0: chapter thirty of the creators a comedy by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter thirty it had not occurred to gertrude that she had a chance to have calculated chances would have seemed to her the last profanity so consecrated was her attitude to broderick and to all that was broderick's her chance was and it always had been the chance of serving him she had it what more she said to herself could a woman want the piece she had folded round broderick wrapped her too in the quiet hours measured by the silver chiming clock nothing had happened to disturb her beautiful serenity it was by the cultivation of a beautiful serenity that she had hoped to strengthen her appeal to broderick and her position in his house in the beginning that position had been so fragile and infirm that she had had then no trust in its continuance three years ago she had come to him understanding that she was not to stay she was a far removed impoverished cousin of mrs john Brodrick's; hence her claim they had stretched the point of cousinship to shelter the proprieties so sacred to every Brodrick. he had not wanted her he preferred a housekeeper who was not a lady it would not have to be as he expressed it all over the place but he was sorry for the impoverished lady and he had let her come then his sister sophie had urged him to keep her on until he married sophie meant until he married the lady she intended him to marry he had not married that lady nor any other he was not going to marry at all he told them but he had kept gertrude on he had said at the time that he didn't think she would do but he would try her he regarded gertrude with a suspicion a broderick invariably entertained for any idea that was not conspicuously his own but gertrude had managed with considerable adroitness to convince him that she was after all his own idea and when sophie levine triumphed as a broderick invariably did triumph in the proved perfection of her scheme he said yes miss collett was all right now that he had trained her if he approved of miss collette it was because she was no longer recognizable as the miss collette they had so preposterously thrust on him he could not have stood her if she had been roderick was right gertrude was not the same woman she did not even look the same she had come to More Grange, lean scared utterly pathetic with a mouth that drooped so starved of all delight and of all possession was gertrude that she flushed with pleasure when she heard that she was to have for her very own the little north room where the telephone was now there was such pathos in her meek withdrawal into that little north room that brodrick hadn't the heart to keep her in it the drawing-room he had intimated also might be hers when it was understood rather than stated he wasn't there himself by that time he no longer objected to gertrude's being all over the place Broderick, though he did not know it and his sisters did was the sort of man who could not be happy without a woman to look after him silently almost furtively gertrude made herself indispensable to him she knew what he wanted before he knew it himself and was on the spot to supply it thus watching the awful increase of Broderick's correspondence as the editor grew great she was prepared for the coming of a secretary and had forestalled it she had kept herself prepared for the coming of a wife a mistress of brodrick's house and by making brodrick supremely comfortable she had managed to forestall that too his secretary had become the companion that his housekeeper could not hope to be hitherto he had kept gertrude Collette out of his library as far as possible now her intrusion had the consecration of business and it was even permissible for gertrude to spend long hours with him in the sanctuary Broderick invariably breakfasted alone this habit and his deadly and perpetual dining out had been a barrier to all intimacy but now a large part of his work on the monthly review could be done at home in the evenings so that the editor had less time for dining out and latterly he had taken to coming home early in the afternoons when he rather liked to have gertrude in the drawing-room pouring out tea for him she filled the place of something that he missed that he was as yet hardly aware of missing it seemed to him that he had got used to gertrude he could not think what life would be like without gertrude any more than he could think what it would be like with her in a closer and more intimate relation for none of them had ever suggested that he should marry gertrude no broderick would have dreamed of marrying his housekeeper gertrude would not have dreamed of it herself and yet she dreamed but her dream was of continuance in the silent veiled adventure the mystery and religion of her service service to broderick perpetual unwearying service constituted to her mind the perfect tie it was the purity of it that she counted as perfection. She desired nothing further than her present surrender to the incorruptible, inassailable passion of service. Whenever in her dream she touched the perilous edges of devotion, Gertrude had pulled herself back. She had told herself that she was there for nothing in the world but to save Broderick, to save him trouble, to save him worry, to save him expense, to save and save and save. That was really what it came to when she saved him from having to keep a secretary for gertrude lived and moved and had her sentimental being in brodrick thus she had labored at her own destruction so preoccupied was she with the thought of brodrick that her trouble traveling along secret paths of the nerves and brain had subtly insensibly communicated itself to him he grew restless in that atmosphere of unrest if Gertrude could have kept inwardly her visible beautiful serenity, Broderick, beguiled by the peace she wrapped him in, might have remained indefinitely quiescent. But he had become the centre of a hundred influences, wandering spirits of Gertrude's brain, irresistibly urging, intangibly irritating, perpetually suggesting, they had prepared him for the dominion of Jane Holland. But Gertrude was not aware of this, her state. Which had begun within a few months of her arrival remained for three years a secret to herself she was before all things a sentimentalist and she had the sentimentalist monstrous innocence and boundless capacity for illusion she shuddered in the grip of mortal renunciation and called her state holy when adoration and desire were fused in a burning beatitude at the approach of Broderick. In her three years innocence she continued unaware that her emotions had any root in flesh and blood and brodrick was not the man to enlighten her his attitude was such as to nourish and perpetuate her beautiful serenity it was with the coming of jane holland that disturbance had begun a trouble so mysterious and profound that if her conscience probed it the seat of it remained hidden from the probe she thought in her innocence that she was going to have an illness but it had not struck her that her symptoms were aggravated by miss holland's presence and became intense to excruciation in those hours when she knew that brodrick and miss holland were off together somewhere and alone she sickened at the thought and was unaware that she was sick this unconsciousness of hers was fostered by all the conventions of her world a world that veils itself decorously in the presence of the unveiled and she was further helped by her own anxiety to preserve the perfect attitude to do the perfect thing she was not even aware that she disliked miss holland what she felt was rather a nameless inexplicable fascination a charm that fed morbidly on jane's presence and in its strange workings afflicted her with a perversion of interest and desire in all that concerned miss holland thus she found herself positively looking forward to miss holland's coming actually absorbed in thinking of her wondering where she was and what she was doing when she was not there it ended in wonder for brodrick was the only person who could have informed her and he had grown curiously reticent on the subject of jane holland he would say that she was coming or that she was not coming on such or such a day that was all her coming on some day or the other was a thing that gertrude had now to take for granted she tried to discuss it eagerly with brodrick she dwelt on it with almost affectionate solicitude you would have said that brodrick could not have desired it more than she did in the last two weeks gertrude found something ominous in brodrick's silence and sulkiness and on this sunday the day of jane's departure she was no longer able to ignore their significance very soon he would come to her and tell her that he did not want her that she must go that she must make room for miss holland that night after brodrick had returned from taking jane holland home his secretary came to him in the library she found him standing by the writing-table looking intently at something which he held in his hand something which, as Gertrude appeared to him, he thrust hastily into a drawer. May I speak to you a moment, she said. Certainly. He turned, patient and polite, prepared to deal, as he had dealt before, with some illusory embarrassment of Gertrude's. You were not pleased with me, she said, forcing the naked statement through hard lips straight drawn. What makes you think so? Your manner has been different then what you mean is that you are not pleased with my manner my manner is unfortunate he was almost oppressively patient and polite would it not be better she said for me to go certainly not unless you want to i don't say that i want to i say it might be better still with laborious weary patience he protested he was entirely absolutely satisfied he had never dreamed of her going the idea was preposterous and it was her own idea not his she looked at him steadily with eyes prepared to draw truth from him by torture and there is no reason she said you can think of no reason why it would be better for me to go he hesitated a perceptible instant before he answered her there is no reason he said and having said it he left the room he had paused to gather patience and exasperation gertrude interpreted the pause as the impressive stop before the final irrevocable decision a decision favorable to her continuance she was not appeased by it her anxiety rather had taken shape resolving itself into a dreadful suspicion as to the relations between brodrick and miss holland he was not thinking of marrying miss holland but there was something between them something which by no means necessitated her own departure which indeed rendered superfluous any change in the arrangement she had made so perfect. It was not likely that Broderick at his age should desire to change them. He might be in love with Jane Holland. He was wedded to order and tranquility and peace. And she never would be. There was wild, queer blood in her. Her writings proved her lawless, defiant, contemptuous of propriety. She had, no doubt, claimed the right of genius to make its own rules gertrude's brain which had been passive to the situation now worked with uncontrolled activity she found herself arguing it out if it were so whatever was or had been or would be between them it was transitory it would run its course and period and she would remain and he would return to her she had only to wait and serve to serve and wait it seemed to her then that her passion rose above theirs white with renunciation a winged prayer a bloodless bodiless longing subtler than desire sounding a poignant spiritual cry and all the time she knew that her suspicion was not justified jane holland was honest and as for him she was not even sure that he cared for her every instinct in her was now subdued to the craving to be sure to know how far the two were going or had gone whatever was between them it was something that Broderick desired to conceal to thrust out of her sight as he had thrust the thing he had held in his hand upstairs overhead she heard the door of his room opening and shutting she saw the light from his windows lengthening on the gravel path outside he was not coming back she opened the drawer where she divined that it lurked hidden the thing that was the sign and symbol of their secret she found lying there face downwards a portrait of jane holland a photograph of the painting by gisborne she took it in her hand and looked at the queer half-plain half-beautiful wholly fascinating face and it was as if she looked for the first time on the face of her own passion dully stupidly not knowing it for the thing it was she had a sudden vision of their passion jane's and brodrick's as it would be she saw the transitory incarnate thing flushed in the splendor of its moment Triumphant, exultant, and alive, she laid the portrait in its drawer again, face downwards, and turned from it. And for a moment, she stood there, clutching her breasts with her hands so that she hurt them, giving pain for intolerable pain. End of chapter 30. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.